Look at this shit. Look at this shit. Right here. You see that? Right on my sleeve. What'd that say? What'd that say? That says the Hawk. The Hawk. You know why? Because when I was 11 and we was running relays, I would always run anchor. And if we was losing, I would catch up to that motherfucker and we win. I hawked him down. That's why it's the Hawk. This is the California Rising Stars, not the Dallas Cowboys. I rest my case. You're wrong. I'm right. Let's get to this fucking pod. You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast on basketball and other shenanigans. Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo of Lions Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. So <laughs> you don't got that clutch connection. And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap. It comes from at underscore underscore Kalu2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact that you knew there were two underscores before the at underscore underscore Kalu. He knows your Twitter. That, that means I'm tweeting it too much. But at, when it boils down, like that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. We are back. It's Hoop and Holler. I'm not going to come with that much energy because I play basketball today. A lot of things that, you know, your favorite basketball podcast hosts won't do. They won't get on the court. They don't want to get on the court with us at Hoop and Holler. But I am very dead. My legs are sore. My knees are tired. But we still got a podcast to record. But my load's a little bit lighter. All of our loads are a little bit lighter because we no longer are burdened with our studies. The semester's over. I want to start there, gentlemen. How do you feel about your semester, it being over with the summer looking out in front of you? Optimistic. How are we feeling? I'm just happy it's done, honestly. I, I, I think I went from, um, I mean, not not that, you know, I was one of those, uh, you know, if I don't get an A, I'm a cry type students. But, you know, I would always try to get good grades, but it really, really just transitioned for me to just, you know, just make sure you, you pass and, and we're, we're good. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm gonna need a day just to process um class being over cuz I'm like so used to having the workload of like so many things to keep track of and now there's nothing to manage anymore. So that's always nice. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. You know what I realized about myself in college is like I am an awful student. I'm a terrible student. Fortunately, I'm smart, so it, it lack it brings up <laughs> but like <laughs> Like, in terms of, like, being diligent about taking notes and keeping up with my assignments and making sure I'm at all my classes. Even, even going like, to I'm lecture. Going to lecture was hard. I am a bad, especially in the Zoom era, right? Like, that that's not lost on anyone. But, yeah, I don't think I'm a very good student. But we, we manage the grades. Like you said, Julio, let me just make sure, because I'm on scholarship at SC. Let me just make sure I maintain that. I got to come to my parents like, yo, you got to start paying full tuition now instead of half. But... <laughs> That's neither here nor there. Um, but, yeah, definitely good to have that sort of workload off our plates. Who knows? Maybe we go back to two episodes a week. But that's another story. So let's go ahead and get into this basketball, gentlemen. Play-in tournament. Let's go ahead and talk about that. We're going to go off on some tangents as it relates to certain teams, certain players. But the whole umbrella of this episode, the theme, is going to be the play-in tournament. I hand it off to you, Eddie. It's going to be a pretty open-ended thing. Uh, so it was, I know you did have some thoughts on the play and, and just its ramifications for the NBA and the future, its future as a whole. So why don't we go ahead and start there? What are your thoughts on 
the future of the play-in tournament and as it stands right now, how it's looking. So first of all, I assume we all agree that LeBron is wrong, that we should not fire the person who came up with the play-in tournament idea, right? Like, Imagine, this- do you think like LeBron knows like what sort of power he holds when he says something like that? Like the dude's probably shitting himself somewhere when he says that. Like, oh God. He's like my boss, technically, but that's, that's wild. That's wild. <laughs> no, but I mean, you're right. But also, seriously, this has, I think, unintentionally, because I don't think the NBA thought this would happen, but this has unintentionally been the best thing the NBA has done this season. And we've seen just in the last two weeks, we've seen so many different scenarios play out that we would not have seen if it was... Um, you know, the normal one to eight. Like, you've had teams jockey for position to get to six seed in, like, the West, right? Like, this whole six, seven, eight, nine, ten thing is really interesting. Even jockeying for a position between eight and nine to get the upper, you know, part of the bracket. And then you talk about the top of the standings. Now the one and two teams, like the Sun, and the Suns and the Jazz, actually have to fight for that one seed because they don't want to play a team like the Lakers, right? So they're playing hard all the way to the end of the season. I mean, flip it over to the east side. It's the same thing with Philly and uh, um, Milwaukee and the Nets. It's like there's a lot of jockeying for position here. So, I mean, I think the, the playing tournament is great. And just given how it's how I feel like I observe that every season, there's always like a lot of congestion between like the five and the eight spot. So I think that this can be something that continues for seasons because there's always going to be a lot of traffic at five, six, seven, eight, and even down to nine and 10. And, you know, you're going to get a lot of um, teams that are actually going to need to play hard to the end because you don't want to be in the one game playoff. You don't want to play that wild card game, basically. And um, because of that, the teams at the top are also going to be, um, you know, more on watch as well at the end of seasons. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty easy for me. I love to see change. I love to see, you know, dynamic dynamism i love to see you know just different um little tidbits and intricacies that you could throw into the league to make just to create drama essentially and amongst teams and amongst competition um i'm a big again i'm just a big proponent of changing things up not that i want to see change you know every season changing formats and all that but it's good to see as you guys know, I'm a big, big proponent of a 1 through 16 seeding uh, uh, kind of playoff format. I'm a big proponent of kind of making something cl- – not not the overall playoffs structure close to March Madness, but stealing some some things that they do in the NCAA and bring it, bringing it to the NBA. And I think this, this was a good kind of intersection of that with the play, playing tournament being one-game elimination because it, it really – makes teams put all their chips on the table and go all out in certain situations. And that's what I love about it, whether it's, you know, the 1 through 16, the in-season play or, or the in-season tournament that Adam Silver was talking about one time. It, I love that Adam Silver is open to a bunch of different things. you got to be. Why not? Why not? You just have to be open to these things. And even if your, uh, your brand face, the, the biggest name in the league, isn't, the biggest proponent of it at the time, at today's current time, because he wasn't complaining about it, you know, a few, you know, several months ago in the bubble. But uh, you, you just you, you have to embrace change and different things to, 
you know, stimulate fan experience and just positivity amongst fans. No, honestly, like, I wonder, especially given, like, you know, the Lakers are playing the Rockets tonight. Uh, LeBron was supposed to debut last night against the Knicks. It didn't happen. LeBron was supposed to debut tonight against the Rockets. It didn't happen. I almost wonder if a few playing games or one playing game would be like good for LeBron and the Lakers just to have a somewhat of a tune up before the playoffs because I don't know man that that ankle starting to concern me a little bit more than I was when it first occurred um as it relates to the playing tournament as a whole I definitely think it's fun um because especially when you look at a lot of these teams they're teams that are fun to watch like obviously you have the best teams in the NBA but when I look at the Grizzlies right the Grizzlies are a fun team to watch the Warriors Pretty much, Stephen Curry's a fun guy to watch. The Warriors are the Warriors. Andrew Wiggins is kind of fun to watch. Um, the Spurs, at times, you know, they can be a little dull, but I think that there's some beauty in how the Spurs play basketball. The Lakers are obviously the Lakers. Then you head over to the Eastern Conference, obviously the Hornets. Jason Tatum's obviously going to heat up. The Pacers might be the least fun team to watch of all of these teams, but even the Pacers have some dudes. And then the Wizards, like, you have some genuinely fun teams to watch going at it, vying for a playoff spot. I think that's really what's the beauty of the play-in tournament is that, no, they're not the best teams, but you have some players, some really good players, some decent teams, some fun teams, all playing at their best, going hard for, for a, a playoff spot. So I, I definitely think it's um it's a positive, um, something that should be kept around. But, Eddie, you brought up to me pre-show – um, you think it should be expanded, uh, which would be interesting. I, I, uh, can you, uh, man, I cannot find words tonight. Can you <laughs> elaborate divulge on that a little it? bit more? Yeah, elaborate. There you go. I mean, I feel like it'd be kind of cool to see this plan expand to 5 through 10. And because right now the 7-8 is double elimination and 9-8 is single elimination. You can make it so that the 5-6 is triple elimination and, you know, just basically just keep laddering it and making more brackets. Um, I mean, I'm not, I haven't really thought about the ramifications of it and, you know, like, would that mean there would be more complacency because oftentimes one through four is like separate from five through like eight or 10. But Uh I mean, like this format has clearly been great. Just just thinking about how many dramatic games we've seen in the past week, like yesterday, Warriors, Suns and Lakers, Knicks were two great games. And they were great games because each team, or not even each team, all four teams really had something on the line to fight for. Um, I, and I, I, I mean, think th- that, that's, that's just two things off the top of my mind. I feel like I've seen so many close, dramatic basketball games in the last couple of weeks. And we haven't seen dramatic games late season for a while. And so I think this is great. So, okay, when you say expand the playing game, do you mean just like the single game elimination uh, amongst five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Essentially, you might want to make it so where five, I, six can't drop out though. So like five, six, if they play bad, might drop down to the seven and eight seeds. Um, got it. But like, so they can't, I, I think I think a good like middle ground to that would probably be because then because I, I I understand the concern from players and teams being like. We had a whole damn season to determine these stupid seedings. Now you're gonna kick me out of the out of the out of the playoffs? Like that's not fair. So I, I kind of understand that sentiment, and I don't want it to hurt the better teams because the higher you go, obviously, the better teams you get. So maybe I think a middle ground to that, while still stimulating fan experience, would be three game uh, series. 
and instead of seven game series early on in the playoffs. Yeah, I I think that would really make things heat up. I always bring up the example when Portland beat the Lakers in the first game last postseason. It's like, damn, the Lakers have to win two straight now to to win the series. So I I think that would probably be a good middle ground in my view. Here's an idea. Let's take the best player from each team or the team or the player of the team's choosing, put them in a one-on-one tournament and get it bopping. You know what I'm saying? Let's 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 rock like y'all didn't laugh. That was supposed to be funny. Anyways, what I think it might be fun to do is um go through because I think for the most part the playing teams are set. It's just like what who's gonna end up playing who is kind of up in the air. Um, but it might be fun to like kind of just go team by team and break it down a little bit. What we think their prospects might be um, potentially playing one of the higher seeds. Whether they think we can we think they'll make it out of the playing tournament. Um, just what we think of them as a team in general. We can rock like that. Uh, y'all want to start on the east or the west? Both are let's go to their own rights. Oh, you, west. Oh, let's do west. Oh, whoa, whoa, hey, <laughs> a little bit of a. You said west. All right. So let's start with the elephant in the room. No one thought the Lakers would be here, but here we are. <laughs> Lakers are gonna play in the fucking play in tournament. Um, like I said, I think it could play to their advantage to an extent to have a little bit any more time that LeBron can have to kind of get his feet back under him. Um. But I guess I'll start here, man. Not This isn't necessarily relating to the playing tournament. I don't think the Lakers are making it out of this West. I don't. I don't. Like, I, I've lost all faith in AD's look good as of late, but I just don't see it. it it's not a um, – last year you kind of felt it. This year I'm not feeling it at all. I'm not feeling it at all. What say y'all? Um, For me, the other way that the – Playing tournament can kind of serve us well is by extending the time it will it would take for us to enter the first um, playoff series. What do I mean by that? Dennis Schroeder's out for I don't even know how many more days because of COVID protocol. So I, I think getting him back obviously would help the team and, you know, having him right for the playoffs. Um, so extending that period of time to, to for for us to to play and potentially him getting a game under his belt would also be good for him. Um, On the part of the Lakers, have they been disappointing to me? Yes and no. Um, At the beginning of the season, although, you know, although I felt that we got a little bit more talented, I worried about, you know, at at least a a little bit of um, our, our subtractions that our team felt. And, you know, JaVale McGee, a lot of people look at him as this kind of clown in the league. Dwight Howard, you know, same thing. But they served us greatly in the postseason. And maybe this is just me, you know, coming from a, a big Lakers fan who watches, who watches a bunch of games. But I really saw their effect night in and night out. They, they gave the team so much energy and, you know, th- this happens to team. Maybe this is another effect on this team is that we, we, we feel a little bit content. Obviously, there's a bunch of new players, uh, a bunch of players who haven't won chips, but our main dogs have won chips. And so I, I think there was a little bit more urgency with last year and not to mention, you know, the, the, the loss of um, Kobe Bryant and, and all that. So I will give it to you that it does feel a little bit like, not um i don't even know the right word but not not uh there's no urgency you know, 
Yeah, yeah. And th- that it's not like the story that, that we all feel like it's going to happen. But I I still can't get past a healthy Braun and AD and Lakers squad. There's no one that's beating us in, in the West, I, I feel like. The only one that I would a. be... Go Say ahead. it again. I was saying, A, I don't know if he's healthy. I honestly don't know that yeah, he's Yeah, and, and we, we got to see him. So the thing I saw with Braun, I was going to say... Uh, in the game or two, I think he played two games that he came back, is that he looked fine moving, you, you know, straight and, and kind of jogging and walking. What he didn't look fine in, in doing was his explosion off that right foot. I, th- I think it's his right foot. Um, whether that's, you know, coming down the floor in a, on a fast break and, and crossing over and, and um, exploding to the rim or on the defensive end, you know, chopping, chopping his feet and, you know, moving his feet on that end. So he didn't look that explosive and that's worrisome, but I'm just, I'm just hoping and believing in him that with this extra time off, I think he can get back to at least 85%. And the only team I was going to say, the only team that I would, you know, really caution us against that I think we could lose to is the Clippers and that's it. Any other team... They're not beating us. They're not beating us. I mean, yeah, I pretty much agree that I've seen AD the last couple games. That's all I need to know. Like, he clearly can return to prime AD form. And um, reportedly, LeBron missing these last few games is not even medically related or injury related. Like, I'm sure he still feels the effects of the ankle. But if push came to shove, I'm pretty sure he could play at... um, He's probably at like 90%, um, you know, effectiveness in terms of being hampered by the injury right now. So I'm not really worried about like them not making it out of the West, except, you know, you talk about the Clippers. To me, the Lakers would probably rather stay in the seven spot because if they move to six, they probably play the Clippers in the first round. And if you're the Lakers, uh, you probably don't want to play the Clippers while you're still getting your team coalesced back together. Right, And if you're the Clippers, you really don't want to face the Lakers in the first round either. So I feel like no team wants that. Um, but otherwise, you know, if they're in the play-in tournament, one, Adam Silver and, you know, NBA fans and everybody, I'm sure, would love to see the Lakers and the Warriors play a one-game playoff, you know, certainly. And just the fact that there's the added security that w- whatever team loses still has another, you know, play-in game. So in all likelihood, the Lakers and the Warriors will make the top eight seeds. I mean, that's that's really a win-win-win situation for the NBA, I think, in terms of getting the audience um, viewership and getting people excited for the playoffs. So that's the thing. It's like, if you're the Lakers and in the playing game, like, you might be a little bit in danger when you play the Warriors. But also, like, if you lose to the Warriors, you know, you, you play the Spurs or the Grizzlies. Like, that's fine. You'll beat them, and then you get to face the Jazz, right? Like, to me... Like yeah, like yeah, yeah, the Jazz are dangerous. The Suns are dangerous. But if if LeBron and AD are what they are, if AD is what he is right now, and LeBron is what I think he is right now, even though he's not playing, they're beating the Jazz. So that's not even a worry, at least just for the first round. Yeah, a conversation. I, I think. I wanna, I, go ahead. Really quickly, <laughs> I think the eight seed for the Lakers would probably be the best case scenario because then you you know you steal that spot from the Jazz. Now it's almost like you're the first seed playing the fourth seed next. There's a conversation that I want to have about the Jazz one of these days because they're a team that I feel like still no one really takes as seriously as I feel like they should be taken. Like, well, they're yeah, hurt. they're the one seed, but yeah. They're hurt. Who's hurt? Mike Conley. 
I thought he was back. And and D Mitch. Mike Conley and uh, Donovan Mitchell both out <clears throat> for the playoffs. No, no, no. Donovan oh, no, no, Mitchell no, no, no. going to be out until Donovan Mitchell going to be out until the first round. That's when he's going to come back, and that's pretty. Not that that's you know not that he's not going to do well, but I mean it's going to be his first games back. It's tough. That's tough. Right, and Mike Mike Conley's going to be back on playoff time too, right? Yeah, yeah he'll be back by Friday, for, I think. For your best player to not even get games before that, that's that's a little bit concerning. Shoot, man, we talk about that. Look at Brian. But honestly, I just feel like there's a conversation. Really, there's just I love a lot of players on that team. I feel like Rudy Gobert gets a bad rap, even though we know he has his weaknesses when he's forced to depend defend in the pick, pick and roll and on the perimeter and whatnot. Jordan Clarkson has been cooking lately. He's been pretty insane. I feel like um, we talk about underrated defenders this year. Mike Conley needs to be up on that list. He's been doing a pretty good job holding it down defensively. Um, there's a lot of guys, but that's besides the point. Let's go ahead and move on. We kind of left off talking about a potential Lakers-Warriors game, so let's move on to the Warriors. Um, and I know I was just talking my shit about the Jazz a little bit, but the Jazz could be in hell if they had to play that Warriors team first round because Rudy Gobert's all but neutralized if, we, if they do that. I feel like the Warriors would be a really interesting eighth seed. Um, yes and no. The thing about basketball is that eventually the best team ends up winning. So it's not that the, the Warriors wouldn't give them trouble, but it's they're not going to win the series. And I love Steph. Steph is my MVP. I will not back up off that. But um, will they steal the game here and there? Yes. But the thing is, a great Steph quarter – could be neutralized by uh, um, a good, decent, average, um, good team's quarter. And, and that that's the thing. That, that's really the thing with the Warriors. Can you depend on Andrew Wiggins to be your second best scorer night in and night out when it's most important? Hell no. Hell no. Here's, here's why I disagree with that point. You said the best team wins. I think there's a lot of instances where sometimes it's not the best team but the best player on the court ends up carrying the load and winning it for his team. And the best player on that court would be Stephen Curry. I feel like if he ignites, like we know he can, like it's not foreign for us to say Stephen Curry could average 40 over the course of a series. That's very much within reason. I think he could do that. I think. And even when he scores 40, it's not, it's not a a sure thing that they're going to win. It's not, it's not, but, like, I, I feel like it would be feasible to say, like, if you told me, yo, the Warriors beat the Jazz in the first round, I wouldn't be that shocked. I'd be like, Steph probably had a hell of a series, Andrew Wiggins probably stepped up, Rudy Gobert really couldn't do a ton. Like, a lot of their strengths are neutralized by what the Warriors are capable of doing. It, I think it makes it interesting. What about you, Eddie? You're the Warriors fan. You've been sitting back on this one. Well, first of all, I feel like the Warriors are finally gelling, you know, which is very fun to see beating the Jazz, albeit not at full strength. But that the Suns' victory yesterday was really, really, like, told me a lot because they weren't shooting well from three. Steph was being quadruple teamed, like, literally in one instance. But, you know, he had four eyes on him all game. They were defending him very well. Um, you know, like, Wiggins, he's not going to score 38, you know, every game, obviously. But this team had a lot of fight. Like, they're finally playing really well. Um, Juan Toscano Anderson looks like Andre Godala 2.0. Um, like Please. there's a lot of, <laughs> there, there, there's a lot of, you know, good things happening with this Warriors team right now. Um, that being said, like I thought about it, the jazz, um, 
they have just so much offensive weaponry that I, you know, like even if Steph goes for 45 per game, I just don't think you can match Conley, Mitchell, Ingles, Bogdanovich, Clarkson. You know, like that, that's just so much scoring. And the thing is, I trust the Jazz actually a little bit more in the playoffs because those are all players that are capable of getting buckets. You know, like they don't have to rely on systems to get points for them outside of maybe Bogdanovich. But like those are all players that can create. And that's where it's like, okay, there's five guys on the Jazz that I trust to get buckets in the playoffs. That's just a little too overwhelming, even for a Warriors defense that has looked good. But if you told me that the Warriors faced the Suns in the first round and they made it a seven game series and maybe the Warriors won, I wouldn't be so surprised because there's a there's a possibility that Devin Booker is you know not neutralized but he's like a volume shooter. Chris Paul you know like he does Chris Paul things but it's like he can only do so much, right? Like he'll give you 20 a game maybe off those fadeaway mid-range pull-up shots. Um and then it's like where else are you getting offense from on the Suns? You know? So it's like I just think the sort of offensive weaponry the Jazz have is really overwhelming and I wouldn't sleep on them. You know, of course, I just talked about that the Lakers would beat them. But it's like, unfortunately, like maybe that's just the team the Jazz will face. But I like I wouldn't sleep on the Jazz because they have a lot of shot creators. Um, that being said, the Warriors, I think, are absolutely the type of team that plays up in the playoffs. We talk about like the Milwaukee Bucks play down during the playoffs, right? Like teams that are built around systems and schemes. You know, when that gets thrown out the window, they start playing down in the playoffs. A team like the Warriors will play up. You know, all year I, I've kind of felt this way, that a guy like Steph, the sort of cerebral players that they have um, and the sort of kind of one on one defense that they that they are capable of playing. Um, I mean, it makes them way more dangerous than a normal seven or eight seed for sure. Yo, why you always got to do that, bro? <clears throat> why you always got to? <laughs> I, 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 I didn't listen to anything you said after wow. After you, <laughs> after you, you, you do your uh, um, episodic understate. You, you know the, this player is underestimated, so I'm gonna overestimate his ass. Juan Toscano, I don't know what the bro. He his was last that was a joke. Is. That was a joke. That was a joke. He's been Come on, he's now. been basically playing the Andre role. He's the sixth man. He's getting don't like twenty nine minutes a game. Don't disrespect. Like I'm, I mean, he's not—he's not as good as Andre Iguodala. I mean, I'm not—that's not what I'm saying. But he is playing that role and looks so Andre Iguodala-ish in terms of you know the versatile defense. Um, he's actually making some oh, threes. Okay, and the passing, oh, like the Andre like him Iguodala. running, him oh. running, him running dribble handoffs with Steph, and you know like working in that motion offense, looks like you plugged and played. You know Andre Iguodala's really high IQ capabilities on the court. Except like Wantus kinda also just gets in fights every game. So like that like that I guess that's different. But I, yeah, I'm not saying he's as good old, as Andre Godala, but I'm saying that role Andre is really Iguodala. similar. Yeah. Alright. Well, maybe uh maybe Draymond might not want to acknowledge it, but maybe there's some we believe tones to this team, but time can only tell. Let's move on to the what's the currently the ninth seed Fighting with the Warriors for that eighth seed, and that's the Memphis Grizzlies. My team. I'm claiming them. My squad. My homies. My guys. John ja Morant. Why, why, don't, what? why don't you just become what? a Memphis Grizzlies fan and not a Lakers fan? Because that would mean I have to drop my Lakers. Because then, Lakers because then 
No, I'm going to become you for a second. Because then that would mean no more winning. First of all. So you use us. My voice you is not us. that high pitched. First of all, my voice is not that high pitched. So I'm going to need you to tone it down because my voice right here. <laughs> Second of all. <laughs> Second of all, the Grizzlies do win. They currently have a winning record, 36 and 33. All right. <laughs> Third of all, the reason why I don't drop the Lakers like a hot plate is because of nostalgia. You can thank Kobe Bryant and Pau Gasol and Derek Fisher. It's hard for me to let go of that. It's hard for me to let go of those good times. But granted, in this day and age, it doesn't feel as organic as that team is. That's besides the point. We're talking about the Memphis Grizzlies and why they're an exciting team to look for in the play-in tournament. The Grizzlies have been cooking lately. John Morant's shot has been on. You have Jaron Jackson back in the fold. Dylan Brooks hasn't been playing stupidly. This is a fun team to watch, and it's an exciting team. And I feel like I'm not sure when we talk about the Lakers and the Warriors, obviously they could give the Jazz or the Suns a run for their money. I'm not sure I'm willing to put the Grizzlies up on that level to say that they could give the 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 Jazz or the Suns a run for their money. But this is a gritty team, and if they manage to get up to that eighth seed and, and usurp the Warriors, ain't no way they're not making the playoffs. Ain't no way. Because the Grizzlies have shown me time and again they will find a way in crunch time. They'll find a way without certain players. They find a way to win. And that's probably the most beautiful part about this team. you got to have your hat off to Taylor Jenkins for establishing that culture. Obviously, John Moran has a, a huge part to play as well. But that team finds a way every single time. So, if Eddie is a Warriors fan, you better hope that they don't get that eighth seed. Because if they get up there, your team might not see the playoffs. Yeah, I'm a, I'm gonna have to disagree, cause they're, they're not they're they're, they're not they're not beating the Lakers or the Warriors. I'm sorry, like they're they're just not be like I hope I hope John Moran and Memphis balls out, but they're I mean they're you not. think I'm bullshit? That. They will find it. It won't even make sense. It won't make sense either. That's part of it too. It'd be like how the hell? I mean, I, but you'll I end mean, up at the end of the here's game. A, like, here's the shit, thing. They're fighting like crazy because the average age on their roster is probably like 22. But when the average age on your roster is 22 and now you play in a do or die situation, guess what matters? The expertise, the experience matters. You know, so it's like, I mean, and, and of course, talent, like, I mean, that, that that's kind of goes unsaid. But like, I, I mean, I hope they do well, but they're not they're not being the Lakers or the Warriors. I'm sorry. And, and I mean, we don't have to talk about the Spurs either. They're not going anywhere. Y'all have such a little faith, and it excites me because honestly, uh, <clears throat> this team's at its best when it's the end. Because you, no, you know what yeah, you're doing, Reagan. Like what you're doing, Reagan, is every year someone takes like a pretty like average mediocre team that's feisty and like you know in the seven and eight seed, and they're always like, well, the one seed does not want to play this team. You know, and like what happens every time? I'm not talking you know? about the one seed. I told y'all, I don't think the the Grizzlies. I know, but what I'm saying, like, this is this is the equivalent of every year some analyst or pundit is like, this is not a team you want to face in the first round. But, you know, cross out first round and replace that with playing tournament. The thing is, like, Memphis is feisty, they're young, they play hard, you know, like, all of that. That's true. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, they're not being the Lakers. It's going to be real funny when you, matter of fact, because I didn't even have a dog in this fight like that. I was going to support the Grizzlies as a Grizzlies fan, but now I'm anti Warriors just for that. Just for that bullshit. I hope Stephen Curry and the rest of your little Andre Iguodala ass Juan Toscano, whatever the hell, got to sit at home and watch my Memphis Grizzlies play in the playoffs 
at your spot because they're just a young, feisty team. Da, da, da. It's you, cool. No, you that's know, fine. You can have that. You know what you should be? You know what you should be, What's Reagan? That? What's that? Tell me you what should I be should be. You should be a politician. You tell me you should I be should a, be a politician. You... You Fuck should you. be a politician because you sit on a throne of lies. I don't know if you guys, my what? if our listeners know where that where that uh, line is from. Anyways, what I mean by that is that Ooh, bro, wait, are you gonna are you gonna explain where that flops. line is from? It's a House of that Cards. Flop, is it? No, no, it's from the Elf. The Elf with Will Ferrell. Oh, nobody off. watched this. That it's called Elf. First of all, not the Elf. Second bro, of all, it's a hilarious movie. I would, I would. Um, Urge people to watch it if they have. Everybody it knows what Elf is. You don't have to urge any. Everybody's seen <laughs> Will Ferrell and Elf. You don't have to urge. That's like so, me saying I would urge y'all to go watch Forrest Gump. Please do that. Like everybody's any, seen Forrest anyways, Gump. Anyways, stop. Don't don't distract the people. You you sit no, on a throne I'm a politician, of remember? lies. You sit on a throne of lies, bro. So what do I mean by that? You would have you would have people believing that the Grizzlies. You know, they always find a way. They always find a way. They play so damn hard. They always find a way they to do. win. They'll win every game that, that's close. What seed were they last year? They were eight, right? What seed are they this year? Nine currently. So what happened? I see no improvement. The I see West no got improvement. Better. That's what happened. I see no improvement. Jaron Jackson was hurt for damn Shouldn't the whole Shouldn't season. they have that's gotten better, though? Shouldn't they have gotten better? Jaron Jackson was hurt damn near the whole season. Ja Morant was hurt for a significant portion of the season. Context, my friend. This is gonna this Insane. is gonna be this is gonna be their thing every single year. They're gonna be a seventh seed next year, and then the next year they're gonna be ten. The next year they're gonna be this. Yeah, right. Next year they're All gonna right. be this. So right. don't okay. don't don't get the people believing in, in, in some squad that, that's not going anywhere. The only no. the only player the only player I respect on that team, actually two players. Jaw and Desmond Bain, and they can find their way to the Lakers once their contracts are up. So, <laughs> all that coming out your mouth right now is haterade, and you it's know not what? haterade. It's, cool. it's fine. It's haterade. First it's of all, realism. the only two players that you respect. It's realism. You respect. It's realism. All right, for sure. You don't respect Tyus Jones' game. You don't respect the Anthony Melton's game. D'Anthony who? Oh, hell no. Nah. <laughs> Bro, if you don't know that D'Anthony Melton is one of the best six men in the NBA, then that's just on you. All right. That's th- th- just on all right, you. All right, all right. So would you say Jaron Jackson Jr. is a top five power forward? No. Top ten power forward? There's not a lot of power yes. forwards in so, the league. So, so they, they have like a top 10 power forward. They have a what? Top what? Point guard. You tell me. You ask him. You ask him. He'll tell you five. <laughs> Seven? And that's why I love him. Seven? I, it's hard to say because like league guards and point guards call it rough estimate top 10. Okay. And Jonas Valanciunas, top 12 center? Yes. You know every center is a top 10 center to me, so... <laughs> <laughs> all right, and you got all the and you got all these great bench and role players, right? Yes, you do. So I mean, they they, they should they should really really you know be competitive in a series, right? They will be. Okay, let's see that play out. You want to put you want to put a wager on that? <laughs> what sort of wager are we talking? 
five bucks. I don't know, ten bucks. I don't. I don't bet money unless I'm a hundred percent confident. You know that. Oh, so you're not confident. Thank you. I'm confident, but I will not because they, things can happen. Players can get hurt. This, that, and the third. The only time I'm betting money is when. But I they know always find absolute... a way. They always find a way. I who <laughs> are we talking about the Spurs? Or you just want to move on to the East because I'm not doing this no more. Let's I'm, move on I'm to the East. Let's talk about the Spurs. Move on to the East. All right, Spurs. Congratulations. Oh, actually, wait. No, before we move on, seed. if the okay, if the Lakers and the Warriors play against each other, who's winning in your in your estimation for this playing game? The Lakers. Ah, uh, the Lakers. I'd have to see. I'd have to see. That's how, the point. <laughs> I'd have to see how LeBron. No, no. I'd have to see how LeBron looks in the prior game or games, whatever. If he decides to play in, in any of those games, depending on how that looks. I'd be not pretty confident in taking the Warriors, but I wouldn't have an issue taking the Warriors. I wouldn't. I feel like the Lakers have a lot of guards who could make it, and obviously Steph is Steph. He's going to make it happen anyway. But you talk about KCP's a pretty good defender. Caruso, when he's back out there. Dennis Schroeder, if and when he's back out there. They have a lot of guards who can make it pretty tough on Steph. Um, High IQ defenders who know how to switch, and obviously you got Anthony Davis as well, so you can't kill teams and drop coverage. So I don't know if he's going to be as lethal as we've seen him be throughout the course of the season. But I got the Lakers on that. Who you got, Who you got Eddie? I'm going to put it like 65-35 Lakers. Mm-hmm. If, you know, LeBron... Eddie, Eddie I think, always I think, does that. I think LeBron's not going to come back to that yourself. game. But even then... I mean, it's, it's 65-35. Like, that, that's like very... Well, not very heavy. That's like favoring the Lakers. I mean, yeah. He's saying. He I think that's about like. Bets, but, you know, I can't. Even, honestly, I can't like I think that one, like, I think that's about right. Like maybe seventy thirty. Like I mean, I think the Warriors have at least like a one in four chance. If you told me they simulated that I game four that. times, like. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. All right, let's move on to the East. Let's move on to the East. Starting with a team that has experienced a lot of misfortune throughout the course of the season, and the nail in the coffin was the injury to Jalen Brown. Seventh seed Celtics. Jason Tate, I'm going to have to a whole lot of carrying. But I, I think we're all on the same page in that they'll probably still make the playoffs, right? Like, we don't see them dropping out of this playing tournament. But I don't know how far they can really go in, in terms of being a playoff team, especially if you got to play either the Nets or the 76ers first round without Jalen Brown. It's going to be a rough go of it. Yeah, you know, you'd like to think that the Celtics, um, at, at least when they had Jalen Brown, that even throughout – all these struggles in the playoffs that they find a way to be and stay competitive just off sheer uh, top end talent that they have on that team, on that squad. Um, but obviously the, the loss of Jalen Brown really killed that. And um, it's just, you know, this year just hasn't been their year. And it, it really does give Danny Ainge and the overall organization just, you know, you guys have to restructure. You guys have to change it up. You guys have to do something because recycling the same thing over and over again. I'm just so glad I'm not a Celtics fan because, damn, bro, can we make a big splash? Can we do something? You like Danny Ainge is annoying at this point. Um, but yeah, that, that's essentially how I feel. They're not going to be a threat, um, even even though you know in the middle of the season I felt that. Even if they ended up as a six seed, seven seed, fifth seed, whatever, it would be disappointing. But I would, I would. It's not that I would be scared of them, 
but I would still see them as a threat in the playoffs. With the injury and the way things have been trending, obviously keeps going downward for them. I don't see it. It's just surprising how bad they are on defense this year. Like, I, I really didn't see that coming. Like, a lot of it is just them not playing hard and, you know, just missing rotations and simple stuff. But, like, they've been bad on defense. And, and with Jalen Brown out, like, that's going to be even worse. That being said, um, yeah, I do think they'll win a playing game, whether it's the first or the second one. Um, and they can, like, pose problems because they have this t- sort of players, again, shot makers in the playoffs always becomes a premium. And you have Kemba, you have Tatum. Um, I actually, I like Evan Fournier's game and the role that he fills there. Um, Neesmith's been playing better lately. I, I mean, Robert Williams can be useful, I think. Um, they can be tough. They're, I don't think they're beating Philly or uh, Brooklyn, obviously, but... You know, when you talk about like the teams that quote unquote nobody wants to face, but like okay, maybe Boston's one of those teams yeah. just because you have Tatum, right? Like Tatum can go for forty in any given night, especially if his shot is hot. Um, yeah, I mean it's unfortunate that Jalen Brown got hurt, but honestly, even if he stayed healthy, I don't think they would have made it to six anyways. And if they were seven, um, they would have played Milwaukee or Philly in the first round regardless. And were they winning them, uh, winning against them with Jalen Brown? No, so. It's one of those things, like you said, Julio, like the organization just has to look at it this offseason and go, where do we need to get better? Because this team is too good to be the seventh seed. You know, I mean, I said last year they have to win two championships in the next seven years. Um, after this year, they got five years left. So, you know, they got to figure it out. <laughs> is that going to be your thing, the, Eddie, every the year? Qu- it's like, all right, Celtics, you got four years left. <laughs> I mean, no, but th- that, that, that's, the, uh, that's the honest truth to to justify the moves that they – made or that you know in in other words that they haven't made the real question i think uh concerning this year's playoffs um is who would you guys take between them and the wizards in the playing tournament because i would low-key take the wizards right now Mm, that's hard i mean like let's put a pin in that mm -hmm. i'll circle back when we start talking about the wizards can we do that for sure yeah go ahead because I got to think about it. But let's go ahead. I also want to say, let's go ahead and start the, the movement. I mentioned it, I think, an episode or two ago. Uh, Jalen Brown to Memphis. Let's get that, let's get that going. Let's, 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 let's uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, let, let, let's, you know, Julio, I know you've been talking your whole uh, uh, free Bradley Bill, whatever. Like, we can, let's get off that. Let's put all of our focus into Jalen Brown to Memphis. Cool. But, no, cool. no, but right. I, I can't trade, I can't trade DeAnthony Melton, bro. <laughs> I don't even know who the Anthony Melton is. Don't even do that. You almost messed up his name. That tells you you should trade his ass. I stuttered. It's twelve sixteen at night. I'm tired. Okay, sorry. You don't even know. Uh, you do you know what school the Anthony Melton went to? Do you know what school he went to? How the hell am I supposed to know where that? Man Look at your from? chest. Look at your. <laughs> Look at the. Wait, he you went wearing. to SC. Yes, he went to SC. Man, cuz. I, I, I didn't know Whatever, S- bro. I, I didn't know SC players made it to the NBA outside of DeMar DeRozan and uh, Nick Young. Kevin Porter, Nikola Vucevic. Oh, oh that one. Evan no. Mobley. Evan, None of that, uh, Ev- no. He's next. Evan Mobley's next. See, yeah. that, that that tells you, though. You got to use a name that... Ha- George McLaughlin? Like, none of that means none to you? Whatever, man. All right. Let's keep it pushing. So what arguably is the most fun team in the, all of these playoff uh, play-in tournament teams 
that's the uh, Charlotte Hornets. LaMelo Ball's back. You know, he was supposed to be out for the season with that wrist, but he turned it around pretty quickly. You got, um, gosh, Devontae Graham. He's back. Okay. He, had a, he, had a, he had a pretty good game the other night. Um, Rozier's obviously Rozier. Miles Bridges, I just want to say this about Miles Bridges. I feel like he might be one of the players in the NBA that is underrated as a product of how cool their highlights are that people don't understand how much they can actually do on the court. When people think Miles Bridges, they think about the dunking ability, they think about the lobs, but watching Charlotte games, like Miles Bridges legit be the ball handler in pick-and-roll situations and making damn good decisions. So he's a much more versatile player than a lot of people give him credit for. But the point being, that team has ballers, right? I don't know if they could – none of these teams I don't think can mess with the one and two seed like we were talking about out in the West – but they're an interesting team, and I hope they make the playoffs because I want to see LaMelo Ball get that ball rolling as soon as he possibly can, no pun intended, in terms of kind of creating his legacy and getting to play um, in playoff games. But what do y'all think about this Charlotte Hornets team and their uh, potential? Uh, I, I mean, I think they're they're exciting to watch, but even if they get in the playoffs, it's going to be 4-0. It's going to be 4-0. I mean, maybe 4-1. Maybe 4-1. Maybe <laughs> They can get Maybe. one off, yeah. They can get one. I mean, I, I don't, I don't mean to provoke you even more, Reagan. But the team that is really like you know the fun to watch, play hard, exciting, whatever you know, all of those things you said about the Grizzlies. I mean, that that's really the Hornets, like honestly. Um, I'm not mad at that. So, well, I mean, yeah, you are. See, like, because okay, so if they if they play, if they play Boston in the first round. I just know Boston's so enigmatic that I wouldn't be surprised if Charlotte wins and they get the seven seed, you know? But, like, the talent on that team doesn't suggest that they should. But something tells me, like, I mean, Reagan, you feel this way about D'Anthony Melton, whatever. Like, I feel like Rozier might come out in this playing game with no nothing to lose and drop, like, 45 points and go, like, 12 for 15 from three. I mean, like, that that's an exaggeration, that. but you know what I mean? Like, I just I see, that, see that, especially you. with Rozier. Like, Rozier's the type of weird player that would just do that. Yeah. And then, you know, LaMelo probably, I mean, he, he's been so good this year. But again, yeah, Charlotte's the type of team to me that will play with no frills in this playing game. No hesitation, no fear, like all of that. And I can see them really doing some, um, it's not even crazy to say that they'll upset Boston, but, you know, they, they could really just really run Boston off the court if they're up for it and Boston's not. For those of you at home, <clears throat> enigmatic is a four-syllable word. And, yeah, four syllables, adjective, means difficult to interpret or understand or mysterious. <laughs> Using a sentence, he took money with an enigmatic smile. That is per Oxford languages because Eddie wanted to break out his fucking thesaurus just, tonight. For some just reason. in case our listeners uh, didn't know, Reagan loves reading the, the dictionary and the thesaurus. I do, actually. Thank you for uplifting that because I do. It's a... <laughs> Quite a fruitful experience. Really replenishing for the soul. Damn, I don't like fruitful right experience I really is the best. Fru- <laughs> I, I don't like you right now. <laughs> I'm, ta- I'm, I I'm talking my shit. Th- th- this is like the type of trash talk that, that I uh, give to Reagan when, when we're playing one-on-one. I'm like, Grizzlies suck, bro. Grizzlies suck. No, it's not. You look That's like the Grizzlies. You look That's like all you the do Grizzlies. is foul me. <laughs> All you do is foul me. I'd really be winning if you wouldn't foul me the way you do, but I'll be calling it. Okay. <laughs> okay. That was cap. That was cap. That was cap. All right. <laughs> Ninth seed, Indiana Pacers. Indiana Pacers. 
Boring team, boring. I guess. But like, I've always liked the Pacers well, because I'm, I'm they glad play that Woj a came out with the report. Basketball. I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm glad Woj came. Oh, well, I'm not glad. Like Woj only reports, you know, like stuff that actually happens. But I'm kind of glad to hear that there's turmoil, you know, between the coach and the players or whatever, because I don't know if I said this a week ago when we were talking about the Hawks or two weeks ago. Like Nate McMillan should have never been fired, and they brought in a dude who was playing guys like 40 minutes a game. And you got guys like TJ Warren who just basically said, I'm not going to come back because he got me injured and he's trying to play dudes 40 minutes a game. And like he, he doesn't, the players don't trust the coach with their careers because they're running him so many minutes. Um, where, where is he from? The, the Nate Bjorn, whatever. The, he he was the, uh, he was Nick Nurse's assistant. And I mean, he's just, he's just not a really good coach in my eyes. Um, that being said, like Karis Levert's been balling out. I like seeing Karis Levert. Um, yep. Play Sabonis been putting up numbers. I don't really believe the numbers. You know, I, I, I don't really feel like elaborating on that more. It's just like it's a lot of empty numbers. Uh, Miles Turner's done, I think. So that I mean, again, I, I don't know. I feel like I've lost track of the Pacers ever since they started struggling, and the reason for that is they're not really gonna make any noise. So, I mean, that's about it. There's nothing much else to say about them. Yeah, you you would you would like to think that they would be the type of team that uh, maybe not to the extent that my, the Miami Heat were last year, but you would like to think if everybody was there, everybody was healthy, that they'd be that gritty team that could maybe, um, you know, make a team uncomfortable in in, in the playoffs. So, um, but yeah, they're they're not doing anything. You know what I see in the Pacers? They have a lot of players that's like. Damn, I wish you did not play for the Pacers. I wish you were in a different role somewhere else. Like Malcolm Brogdon, love Malcolm Brogdon's game. Baller. Damn, I wish you were like Baller. playing for Milwaukee right now, right? Like Miles Turner, love his game. Damn, I wish you were a New Orleans Pelican. Uh, TJ Warren, or even Karis LeVert. Like, I, damn, Baller. I wish Karis LeVert could go get buckets for some team that it actually mattered for. You know what I mean? Like a lot of really, really good players, but... As a unit, they're just not it. And uh, the the rift between the players and the coaches is definitely something that's there. But that's a team that's going to, you know, you talk about shipping the house out for a star. They need to really consider that because it, it's not a, um, like, you really hit your ceiling if you're the Pacers. What else can you do from here? It's or they should done. rebuild, which seems more viable, honestly. Conversation for another day. But that's the Pacers. Let's go to the team that Julio mentioned a while back, the Wizards. We can go ahead and talk about the Wizards for a little bit. And I did want to date into, matter of fact, I'll start here. We got to talk about Russell Westbrook's legacy. It's been, Much has been made of it as of late. Obviously, he broke the triple-double record. Uh, Oscar Robertson, that's all cool. We have to have a serious discussion about where did this man lie in the, in the grand scheme of basketball history. How is Russell Westbrook, and, you know, we're just three dudes. Who are we to determine this? But how are we going to remember Russell Westbrook? I want to start with you, Eddie, because he's your least favorite player in the NBA. So this would be interesting. I'm playing, I'm playing. I did, I did say in the group chat a few days ago, I said I need to give him his flowers because I haven't seen Westbrook play better basketball in his career than he has lately. Like, even the MVP. Not even with Houston? Yeah, I mean, he's basically doing what he was hmm. doing last year in Houston, but, like, better in terms of, like, the sort of role he's playing. Um, I mean, like, <clears throat> again, like, I've said all I've said about the numbers that, you know, like, a lot of his numbers are a product of his 
not only his capabilities, but his incapabilities. Like him, I mean, him getting six straight games of 15 assists is, I mean, I don't, I don't even want to diminish it. Like, I think it's been really good. Like his drive and kick game, drive and pass, like him working with guys like Daniel Gafford has been really good. That being said, like if he could score better and more efficiently, obviously he wouldn't be passing the ball so much. But again, like, I, I mean, I sound like a hater, like saying all this stuff. And I know I always hate on Russell Westbrook and, you know, like, People, I still think, make a big deal out of the triple-doubles, whatever, 30-point triple-doubles, triple-double record. Like, to me, it, like the, the triple-doubles are not impressive to me. Just, like, watching Russell Westbrook play lately, like, put the team on his back, just go all out, which he's done his whole career, obviously. But, you know, he's playing with the sort of controlled chaos that... Um, that makes Russell Westbrook really special. And sometimes it be- becomes just straight chaos. And that's where you have damage in Westbrook. But the last month or so, it's been just the perfect optimal version of Westbrook where he's not, you know, hijacking the offense. He's he's just making it work for others, pushing the pace, bringing the energy, getting guys, you know, revved up and, and you know, motivated. And um, yeah, I mean, so I, I have to give him his flowers. Like, I can't even hate you know, like triple doubles be darned. Like people are going to talk about the triple doubles. He's just been playing good basketball. Period. Clip that. That uh, was the nicest thing that Eddie's ever said about Russell Westbrook, and it probably <clears throat> won't be replicated. So let's clip that. Go ahead, Julio. Yeah, for for me, you know, part of me loves watching Russell Westbrook. Uh, it's really depending on, <laughs> and and I know it can sound kind of like, well, duh, that that's really any player, but. For me, it it really speaks to to Russ as as a player, and I really love watching him when he's doing well. And it's gonna sound silly, but I hate watching his game when he's doing horribly. So it's because sometimes he can get really carried away with taking horrible shots. And here here's here's my defense of Russell Westbrook that I will always say: Bro plays quote unquote selfish quote unquote selfish what others would deem selfish what fans would deem selfish what haters would deem selfish but it's not coming out of a place of selfishness it's coming out of a place of like i want to win at all costs and i truly truly believe in my heart that me taking this shot over my teammates is the best option for this team and me pushing and pushing and pushing and not stopping and playing hard is what our team needs. So I'm going to do that. And I'm going to try to do everything I can for the, for the team. And that's, that's where his um, kind of play style comes from. That's where his decision-making comes from. And there, obviously there can be lapses in decision-making, but when he's doing well and when he's on, man, it's a thing of beauty because he's the, I think it. I think it's easily said that he's the most athletic point guard we've ever seen, you know, in the NBA. And um, but here's my critique about Westbrook. So, or rather, about what his teammates say about him. So a bunch of his teammates, contradictory to what a lot of fans and I guess quote unquote haters would think. I'd say 99% of his teammates love him that he's ever had in his career. They all say, you know, glowing things about Westbrook. And whether that's, you know, just because you don't want to start any drama in the media or whether it's truth, it's said. Here's my thing about that. No, believe you me, if there was people that had problems with Russell Westbrook, it'd have got out. It'd have got out somehow. KD. KD. And that's my point. And, and And that's exactly my point. So... Who's the only player that we know really had a pl- problem with Russell Westbrook's game? That's KD. Why? 
It's because KD's actually a great-ass player. You know who doesn't have a problem with Russell Westbrook's game? People who are not as good as Russell Westbrook. Or anywhere close to that level. Why? Because he's been on trash teams. Why do you think AI's teammates didn't have a problem with him taking 50 shots a game? Because his teammates were trash. Of course, Denny Adiv, uh, I don't even know how to say his last name. Don't have a, He's a rookie. I, 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 of course, Rui Hachimura, and he's pretty good. You know, he, he'll be a fine. You leave it one name out, and you know what name that is. I We need answers. And he'll, and he'll be a fine role player. Of course, Kendrick Perkins is not going to have a problem with Russell Westbrook <laughs> because he's goddamn Kendrick Perkins. Of course, you're, Ennis you're Cantor. Leaving, you're leaving a name out right now that plays for the Wizards that I need you to answer for because I feel like this guy might have a problem with Russell Westbrook at times. I, 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 I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Of course, mm, Ennis okay. Cantor is not going to have an issue okay, with Russell just, Westbrook. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do this. You're just calling okay, him get it. <laughs> right? So, so <laughs> naming like the worst player. Of course, Andre Roberson's not gonna have a problem that, with Russell actually, Westbrook taking that, all this. That's actually the next name that I was gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, you guys feel me, right? So of course, you know his teammates are gonna say, you know, he brings us along, he brings us energy, blah 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 blah. It, it's BS. It's BS because you're not you're not gonna be on a winning squad at that point. Now let's get to Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal, why do you? Th- why, Oh my god! It's so easy. It's so easy. Why do you think he loves Russell Westbrook right now? Cause they're winning. In his eyes, winning for him is being like five hundred. Because last He's year down bad. they were horrible. <laughs> Russell what? Russell Westbrook is better than whatever they had last year at point guard. I think it was Ish Smith, and I, they they still have him on the squad, obviously. But Russell Westbrook is better than him. So if Russell Westbrook, if that gap of, of you know him being better than Ish Smith can get them from being a twenty five percent you know winning squad to a forty five fifty you know win percentage, he's gonna be happy. Why? Because his experience is subjective. He's not. That's not what he's used to. He's used to twenty winning twenty five percent of the game. Now he's winning twenty five percent of the game. Of course he's happy. I know what you're saying. Of course he's happy. This guy is saying Bradley Beal has Stockholm syndrome with Russell Westbrook. <laughs> this is as good as it's gonna get. So I love you. That's actually hilarious. Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> what? I love you, Russell. Go ahead, finish your point, man. Use low key. No, I mean that. That was really the end of my point. So, um, uh, we're talking about his legacy. So he's gonna. He's obviously gonna be one of those players that. You know, one of the best players to never win a championship. I, I have to reevaluate my list. He's definitely not top three. Maybe he cracks top five. I don't know about that either. Um, but what Scott Brooks said that, you know, the other week or whatever he said about him being the second greatest point guard of all time, that's just straight blasphemy. I will not give that light and, and attention. Um, but, you know, he's a, he, he's a very, very unique player. And we're all blessed to have him for sure. For sure. His legacy is going to be might be one of the most difficult to gauge of all time. You I, I would I might argue that Russell Westbrook has the most complicated legacy, at least as it goes on court, of any player that I've ever had the opportunity to really sit back and evaluate because it's like you watch him play, obviously he can go. 
he can go with the best of them. You don't put up numbers like the rate that he did. You can watch him play and visibly, tangibly, viscerally see this guy is one of the best basketball players to ever touch the hardwood. But you also understand his limitations. You also understand that he's a guy that, as much as he's advancing his team, there's a ceiling to it, and there's also ways in which he's held his team back at times. You can also look at the fact that Russell Westbrook has been on teams where guys haven't been able to really step into who they are as a basketball player until they left Russell Westbrook. We talk about James Harden. We talk about Victor Oladipo, Damana Sabonis. There's a list of players who all played with Russell Westbrook, and we didn't realize how good they were until after they stopped playing with Russell Westbrook. These things can't be ignored, but at the end of the day, we have to remember the moments that like had us just, you know what I mean? The, the, the times where he was punching the ball down the rim like he has a problem with the rim's mama or something like that. Like You got to remember that. You got to remember the effort that he put in. You got to remember you know, the numbers he put up. You got to remember, like, th- there's just too much there that screams for the love of the game to not appreciate where Russell Westbrook has been. Um, but with that said, obviously you got to have a little bit of nuance in your judgment of him. But I would say top 10 point guard of all time. I've seen some people throw out top five all time. That feels a little egregious. But you can definitely throw him in the top 10 and feel comfortable with it, I feel like, especially given the fact that he has an MVP to his name. Not a lot of point guards can say that. Um, probably, I mean, shoot, he's only 6'3", right? So, how many smaller dudes than Russell Westbrook have won an MVP? AI? Steph. That's it, right? Steph. I mean, the same height. Russell Westbrook's obviously, like, bigger. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, it's not that many dudes at that size doing what Russell Westbrook has been able to accomplish. That can't be ignored either. You're not going to have a ton of, like, legacy games that we got from Russell Westbrook. Right, it's not going to be a ton of. Remember that playoff series where Russell Westbrook did X, Y, and Z. Remember that championship where Russell. Like, you're not going to have a whole lot of that, but you can remember the moments, even if it's just the regular season, of when we kind of took it. He kind of took our breath away in what he was able to accomplish on a night-to-night basis. That's Russell Westbrook, though. Let's talk about this Wizards team. Let's well, talk actually, about I I did want to. Oh, go ahead. I did want to answer the legacy question because I didn't address that. In that, you, like, you guys are both, I think, spot on. I don't want to say top whatever because. One, I don't really know what top whatever he is, but also I don't like deducing players to top blanks in terms of legacies because it's like these their legacies are not Excel spreadsheets, right? Like that's not how we're thinking about these players. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, first of all, like great man, right? Like first thing about his legacy, like great person, like through and through. Yeah. Um, relentless, right? Like absolutely plays 100% um, every game, you know, postseason, regular season, whatever. Like, there's something to be said about that. Um, but I think he's also going to be remembered as the guy who has had maybe more talent around him than a lot of star players ever in NBA history. And there's a reason why, like you guys both alluded to, that they did not win championships or achieve the amount of success that they should have. Because you can talk about KD, Harden, Ibaka... Um, I mean, Harden again in Houston, right? Like, there's just so many great players he's played around that, you know, I think, I think like, headline one on his legacy to me is that he has had so much talent around him and that has never culminated in something. And I'm not saying that he's the common denominator, but a big part of that has to be him and his play styles and his limitations, like you guys both alluded to. So, again, like, good I, yeah. and the bad, like, the, the, there's... um. 
I mean, like you said, Reagan, complicated legacy. It's, it, it'll be pretty fascinating. But you always remember that he could go. That's the most important thing. Is like yes, you know, they, you, what's that? But one other thing, the the thing about Russ is that I think where people get confused about the um, kind of selfishness about him is it, it's not selfishness; it's lack of self awareness, and, and that's where it that's- really lands because. Russ, when he's playing at his at his best, and Reagan allu- alluded to it um, when Eddie was speaking about him, was or is when he's you know playing in his own role. And it's weird to say you know or use the word role with the you know a star player, an all star player, you know caliber player, because they're not role players. But he's in that weird kind of. Uh, a position where he has to play his own role and that's going that's passing that's not shooting that's driving to the rim and being a, a huge threat on that end and playing within his limitations his boundaries and a bunch of times he just didn't do that and again it's not out of selfishness it's out of lack of you know self-awareness indeed indeed I want to circle back to the question that you proposed, and then we can close this episode out, Julio. Who wins, or who is more likely to have a, um, a run yeah. between the Wizards and the Celtics? So, re- really quickly, I know I said the Wizards. Um, the reason why I said that is twofold. So, A, the Celtics, feel like to me, feel like the, the Sixers, how the Sixers felt last year when they were in the playoffs. It, it just looked like Embiid just didn't want to be there. He didn't want to play. He, you know, the Sixers looked deprived of talent. Ben Simmons was hurt. Like, they just didn't want to be there. And I feel like that's how the Celtics are going to maybe look and perform. And um, on the other side of that, on the opposite end of the spectrum, you got the Wizards actually believing in themselves as a team when early in the season, you know, there was none of that. There was zero signs of that. Now, at least, you know, Bradley Beal can, we'll see how long that hamstring keeps him out. But um, they actually look like they have real, real belief under their belt. So I, I think, to me, it's a pretty easy call. Yeah, I think... Yeah. Um, it's hard. Go ahead. I was going to say, Boston has more talent in my eyes. But if you ask me, who do I trust more as a scorer between Beal and Tatum? I would take Beal just because I think Tatum is streaky and that if his shot is going, you know, he goes... But Beal can create shots anywhere all the time. Um, so, again, I trust Beal more as a scorer, and I think that's ultimately the difference, especially with how Westbrook has been playing lately and the sort of contributions they're getting from the role players, like uh, Bertans, who's finally shooting it again. And uh, Daniel Gafford, I mentioned earlier, he's really been impressive. Yeah. I think the Celtics just feel dead in the water. Right, like you have an injury that substantial to your team that late in the season, in a season that's already been. They feel like the Sixers. Kinda, yeah. Because last year they felt a little dead in the water towards the end of the season too. But like that's the nail in the coffin. That's like, the hell can we do? And that team to me has not displayed the sort of like if this were the Miami Heat and call it bam out of bio we're injured knock on wood right like the miami heat i would say they're not gonna go they're not gonna go out there and fold right but the celtics feel like a team that would fold just because they have not shown themselves to have this sort of culture to fight through these things right individually you know marcus smart yeah he's a fighter outside of that i don't know 
who's really showed that sort of will on that team. So I, I like I, I'm with you, Julio. That the the Wizards feel like a team that are building into something right now, whereas the Celtics are kind of falling or fading away a little bit on me. Yeah, and I do want to say, um, just on the point, I'm going to connect this to a larger point that you know we've been talking uh, throughout on this episode, is that okay? I know, I know that Jalen Brown is hurt. Th- this you know going to be hurt this postseason, so. It's not so much, you know, I'm focused on this season, but can we, okay. And I know that Kemba Walker has been, you know, nicked up throughout this season as a whole, but can we put some, some onus on some pressure on Kemba Walker? I know that he's not Kyrie Irving, but everybody was telling me how this was going to be fixed when Kyrie was gone and Kemba was entering the building. That Kemba Walker's, a, you know, he resembles enough of the game of Kyrie Irving, but adds the locker room component, adds, you know, getting along with his teammates, adds not criticizing the coach as much, and is, is you know, can establish, can help establish a culture within the organization that will facilitate to winning. Can we put some onus on that? Because I feel like, you know, guys like, and I'm going to connect this to a larger point, but guys like Kyrie Irving, guys like Russell Westbrook, can be easy to pick on. And why do I say Russell Westbrook? Because another name that comes to mind who hasn't won a championship, who lacks that ring on his finger, is Damian Lillard. Now, I know that Damian Lillard, yes, is better than Russell Westbrook, but we don't look at Damian Lillard like, like, like you know, we do at Russ. We don't criticize him as much. So I just, I just want more, I guess, fairness in critique for, for these guys. Because it's it's not unfair to, to look at Kemba Walker, to look at Damian Lillard and say, you know, what's up, since we do it with all these other players. Well, I'll say a few things. A, as it relates to Kemba Walker, I'm not sure he's entered that echelon of player that warrants that sort of criticism and sort of micro-analysis of their careers, right? He spent the majority of his career in Charlotte where, you know, wasn't nothing happening, right? And then he gets to Boston, and it's like, okay, now there's a little bit of pressure to you. But Boston was at no point, like, the favorite, right? Maybe prior to actually watching them play basketball, just on paper when it was Kemba and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and da-da-da-da. Maybe they were a favorite, but, like, at no point was the target really on Kemba's back. Plus, I'd simply just, do, like, he's a great player in his own right, but he's not a Russell Westbrook caliber talent. He's not a Damian Lillard caliber talent. Um, as it relates to the lack of criticism for Damian Lillard, he hasn't played his around, around as much talent as Russell Westbrook has. Um, and Damian Lillard has clearly always been, like, a supporting presence. Like, you can tell viscerally, palpably, when Russell Westbrook is hurting his team. You can see that. When have we seen, like, Damian Lillard not helping the Trailblazers win? So that's why I say he doesn't really get as much credit. But honestly, if we're playing the blame game when it comes to Boston, I'm looking at Ainge first, and then Brad I'm looking Stevens. at Brad Stevens. I'm looking at Brad Stevens. Like, you got to come out with something better than this. Like, this this offense specifically, like, he was supposed to be, like, the guru or whatever the hell, but that offense looks repetitive as hell. Like, you, you got, like, what? I mean... But I'm see, not going to sit that, up here and act like I know, like, every set that the Celtics run. But, you know, a lot of it just ends up, Jason Tatum, you do something. Jalen Brown, you do something. Kemba Walker, you try to do something if your knees hold up. Like, it's not, there's no, there's no creativity to it. But, see, that's kind of my point. Why didn't we look at Brad Stevens when Kyrie Irving was there? Because Kyrie Irving's easy. Like, I agree with you 100%. Kyrie Irving's yeah, I mean, easy the target. You're, you're completely people right, like, like I think. Somewhere. 
Like people are very unfair about his Boston tenure. But it's all, all right. good now because cool. he in Brooklyn lived <laughs> yeah. it up. Finna go get him a chip this year. <laughs> Finna go get him a ring a lang. Um, Harden looked good tonight. Like we're obviously gonna close the episode, but that's something interesting. Oh, the yeah, and, and the other thing is that um, talking about guys who are gonna be out for the rest of the season, like Jalen Brown. It was announced today that Victor Oladipo is gonna have season-ending mm-hmm. surgery. Um, so you know, I mean, I I don't know if guys were or fans were were really expecting him to come back, but yeah, that's the truth. I'm not gonna lie to y'all, like. I forgot Victor Oladipo played basketball for the Miami Heat until I got that notification. I was like, oh, yeah, he did go to the Heat, didn't he? Because the Heat had been rolling without him, right? Like, I wasn't thinking about Victor Oladipo, but that's like I still feel like he could have done something for him come playoff time, but obviously that's not going to. What the future holds for his career is going to be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know where you go from here if you're Victor Oladipo. I Like, thoughts and prayers out to him because this has got to be – like a low point in your career where you're talking about back-to-back injuries, you talk about you were just about to come into all this money, probably a max deal, and now it's like almost like the DeMarcus Cousins conundrum where it was like you were right there, and now yeah. it seems so far out of reach that it, it almost feels it, unattainable. I mean, yeah, honest to God, he's honestly going to have to embrace being a six-man, like that scoring punch six-man for teams. I hate that because he, yeah. he was so good. He was so good. I still feel like he this this there's somewhere in there. That just doesn't go away, but if your body can't hold up, that's just really tough. But um that'll do it for this episode unless someone else has something to add. Late night episode recording at one o'clock in the morning my time. That's always fun. But thank you all so much for tuning in. As always to the Hoopman Holler Podcast. We love y'all, we appreciate y'all. We're on the road to 10K listens. I'm officially start that on this episode. We we on the road. We're about to hit 7,500 7, pretty soon. So that's really going to be when the next road of 10K. So maybe we can make that a thing in addition to Jalen Brown to Memphis. Follow the socials at Pod, Instagram, and Twitter. All that good stuff. Thank you for listening. If you're still listening, you're a real one. We'll catch you next time. This has been the Hoop and Holler Podcast.